we would all like to think that we're good preppers. But are we effective preppers? On today's episode, we're going to discuss 11 habits of highly effective preppers. Welcome to Practical Prepping. This is episode 413. This is the prepping podcast with no bunkers, no zombies, and no alien invasions. Just practical prepping, where we believe that stuff happens, so we need to stay prepared. And we're here to help you get prepared. Hi, I'm Krista. And I'm Mark. And today we'll be talking about 11 Habits of Highly Effective Preppers. Now, if you'd like the expanded notes for this episode... Go to practicalprepping.info forward slash 413. And if you aren't receiving the Practical Prepping newsletter, go to that website, practicalprepping.info, and click on free PDF, and you'll receive the free Getting Started in Prepping PDF, and you'll be added to the newsletter. So let's get right into it. The 11 Habits of Highly Effective Preppers. Number one. Highly effective preppers are learning regularly. Yeah, they continuously seek knowledge and skills that are useful in various situations. Like what? Like survival techniques. Oh, okay. Gardening, DIY repairs, which reminds me I've got a DIY repair to make tomorrow. You know, I was thinking, too, we've got some painting we need to get started doing, As too. soon as this weather breaks, I'm going up that ladder again, and I'm going to stay there till this house is finished. So, yeah, repairs, you know, just something that you have to keep on top of. Mm-hmm. Also, things like basic first aid and CPR, things like bandaging wounds, treating burns, and even managing fractures. Let me share something quick with you that I read. There's a family that does a lot of prepping exercises and they actually practice bandaging each other Mm -hmm. and they practice of course they don't cut each other and then sew each other up but they go through little skills and drills to try to stay more sharp and to keep up on their skill and their readiness to be able to use what they have in preps i think that's a pretty good training to to regularly learn and train with what you know Also, emergency response skills is one of the things that we need to be learning. And one is triage. In a mass casualty situation, you need to know how to prioritize patients based on the severity of the injuries. And it does not mean necessarily which one looks the worst. It's just the one who's got the worst injuries. Exactly. We went to a wreck one night, and there's a guy sitting over there, and he had a cut on his forehead. And he had blood all over. Mm -hmm. I mean, he looked horrible. But there's another guy over there who's unconscious, had no blood leaking anywhere, and he was actually the more severe patient because he had a head injury. Well, did he all, yeah, internal injuries. Well, in the head. Yeah. Turned out to be a concussion, but he was unconscious at that particular time. And you need to know how to prioritize. Now, if you've got one patient, that's the priority. Oh, sure, yeah. But when you've got multiple patients, you have to be able to triage. Another good skill to learn under emergency response skills is search and rescue. Are you talking about how to search a building safely? How would you search a building safely? Well, partially it depends on the building and partially it depends on what you're looking for. If you're searching for a lost kid, you'll look one way. If you're searching for the bad guy, you'll look another way. Ah. And there are ways to do that. 
And in a building collapse, and I always see these in these major earthquake-type situations. Mm-hmm. 9-11 was one where they had a lot of collapse on people. And all of that debris becomes a huge jigsaw puzzle. And you need to move this piece before you move this piece, or it's going to collapse. Well, now, you're talking about professionally trained people that know how to do that sort of thing. They were doing that in those cases, yes. But if you're searching through your neighbor's house in an earthquake and it's collapsed, and you're trying to get to that patient, and you're trying to get help to them, you may be the one that has to move the debris. Mm. So we need to... Learn how to do that. And there are ways to to learn that. There's University of YouTube. There's the Internet. There's all kinds of things that we can do to be learning how to do things. And then how to extricate and transport that individual. How to do a grid search. I mentioned looking for a small child. You're looking for someone in the woods. You're looking for someone in a huge field. And I'm thinking a wheat field that's grown up that you can't see a child in. You're doing grid searches, and you divide that particular piece of land in grids, and you search by that grid. And also some stress management skills, you know, because an emergency is a very high-stress situation. So you're going to need to learn how to manage your own stress and then help others manage their stress, because that is a very valuable skill. You know, we're talking about some mental health here. And communication skills. We need to be learning these. Effective communication is critical in emergencies, and it will be in an SHTF situation, regardless of what that is, whether it's natural disaster, man-made disaster, or all-out Schumer hits the fan. We need to know how to use that two-way radio. That's why we advocate folks get that ham radio license and they learn to operate that Beofang that they bought and put in the bag just in case. Yeah, you need to learn how to find a frequency, how to hit a repeater if needed. Mm-hmm. It's not just switch on and talk. No, especially that radio is not very intuitive at all. You need to know how to do those things. And you need to understand emergency signaling That's part of communication and being able to clearly relay critical information. We want to make sure that the information that we receive to pass on gets to where it is going exactly the same as we got it. We don't want to be playing, remember that old school game, telephone or something like that? Oh, yeah, like we're 20 people. One whispers a message to the other, and then they just pass it down the line. And by the time it gets to the end person... It's nowhere recognizable. Exactly, exactly. It's more like the rumor mill on social media. But, <laughs> yeah, it becomes something else. Yeah, but we need to learn to clearly relay that critical information. And oftentimes that requires writing that information down. The next thing for highly effective preppers is to stay informed. And that's where you can receive updates about the local and global events that are taking place. These events that could potentially affect your safety or your resources. That's how we call the baby formula shortage five months before it hit the grocery stores. Right. What we did there, and and it really seemed pretty obvious at the time, there were two factors that were going on. One is the government was sending many truckloads of formula to the border. Second thing is there were one or two major manufacturing plants closed down. 
you've taken half the supply to the border and you've reduced what is coming into the supply chain, there's going to be a problem. Yeah, and we actually got the research on that five months before it actually became a reality in America. And I I remember people having to drive for hours to Mm -hmm. find a specific type of formula. We informed all of our listeners. We informed our family, our loved ones, our friends, everybody within the reach of our voice. We told them in February, this is coming. There's a no doubt situation. Get that baby formula now. And people heeded. Yes, they did. And that really helped them. And we need to stay informed about potential threats and hazards in our own area. I've noticed lately that there have been several escaped convicts, and they were telling people to stay in and lock their door. Well, if we've got our head in the sand and we don't know what's going on locally, we could wind up in trouble. Mm -hmm. So we need to stay informed about those threats and hazards in our area. Yeah. You know, I I know a lot of people don't like to turn on the news. It's all bad, you know, but it's like you said, you don't want to be walking out in your backyard and discover that you've got a visitor out there, you know, and that's just that. That's not good. Right. You don't have to read all the details. You can scan the articles. Sure. Especially on the local news. And I saw one today In downtown Huntsville, Alabama, and this was on social media that I saw this, and they were warning about a deer running loose in a downtown area. Oh, gosh. I'm sorry for the deer. (laughs) Really, really. But the area that that was in uh, is a high traffic area. And so what they were doing was warning people to be on the lookout for this thing running out in front of you. Something else that highly effective preppers do, and that is they regularly inventory check all their resources to ensure that they're well stocked with their food and their water, and also that none of their stored food or medicine has expired. And they regularly check and update all their emergency supplies and equipment. Now, I know there are those that will say, well, we can eat food long past the expiration date. And in some cases, or that the is best true. buy date. Sure. But why not go ahead and rotate that now? Yeah. So that when it hits, we're fresher, if that's a good way to put that, we have fresher food yeah, on more, the shelf. More current, of more course. More current. Yeah. So that's where we need to be rotating that stock and we need to be keeping an inventory of what we have. Let's take a break for sponsors and we'll come back with more habits of highly effective preppers. I saw after Hurricane Idalia that hundreds of thousands of people were dealing with contaminated water supplies and bottled water was at a premium. Our listeners know that this can happen even in non-hurricane situation, but it does not have to happen to you. We've been telling you about Pro One Gravity Water Filters. The one we have, the Big Plus, would have guaranteed that your family had plenty of fresh, clean, crystal clear drinking water. You could catch rainwater, use the contaminated tap water, or even use the flood waters from your backyard. Regardless of where you source your water, Run it through a Pro One Gravity water filter and you'll have clean drinking water. The Scout 2 and the water pitcher filter hold four-tenths of a gallon and prices start under $70. The Big 2 
holds two and a half gallons and starts under $140. Plus, you can buy the big two with four interest-free payments of under $35. Now, don't tell me that $140 is too much to pay to guarantee that you and your family have clean water regardless of the situation. The link is on our website at practicalprepping.info. Go take a look, then order yours today. Someday, you'll be glad you did. I was reading about how many hundreds of thousands of people were left without power in Florida alone after Hurricane Adalia, and there are many more in Georgia and the Carolinas. Then, while looking at some gear on the 4Patriots website, I came across the Patriot Power Sidekick Mini Solar Generator that comes with a free solar panel. I saw similar solar panels selling for over $200 at the recent ham fest, so that makes it an even better deal. The generator is silent and indoor safe. It has nine power outlets and comes with a 100% satisfaction guarantee. The generator and the solar panel are only $499, but Practical Prepping listeners get a 10% discount on their first order, making this too good to pass up. If you're looking to get into solar as backup power, this is the way to get started. For Patriots, the link is on the front of our website, practicalprepping.info, and use the discount code PREPPER to get 10% off of your first order. Welcome back to the show. We're going to continue our discussion about the highly effective practices of good, effective preppers. And that is that they regularly practice their skills. They run drills on the things that they know to ensure that they're ready in case of emergency. Now, something that comes to mind, I'm thinking, is how to start a fire, how to start your generator, how to load and reload your firearms. Those are the kinds of things that I think about practicing skills and running drills. Are there more that you could add to that list? Well, you could run a drill of your evacuation plan. Ooh, good one. You could run a drill, and Krista does this quite a bit. Uh, I'll ask what's for dinner, and she says, well, we're eating from our prepper closet. Yeah, we just, whatever, we're having a prepper dinner tonight. It's just practicing And what she's doing there is practicing putting meals together from things that we have on hand without having pre-planned that meal. Mm -hmm. We can practice those first aid skills, especially if you've got a three or four year old that that will let you bandage them or or them bandage you. Make a sling for Make a sling, all kinds (laughs) of things that we can do. But we do need to be routinely practicing our skills. Another thing a highly effective prepper does is maintains physical fitness. Now, it's essential for dealing with potential survival situations, and we need to keep ourselves fit. Now, Krista and I were working in the yard the other day, and we were finishing getting the big tree limbs that had fallen across and taken out part of our fence and we had cut that up and hauled that out to the road. And I was trying out the new mower. <laughs> and yes. And, I love to mow. But all of that physical exertion really reminded me how much more I need to focus on physical fitness. And we've both commented to each other about how we had muscles that were sore in some areas of our body 
And it comes from not having used those as much as we should have. Well, that's a reminder to, another, high, you know, to be highly effective on the physical fitness. Another thing in the physical fitness is we need to learn how to defend ourselves, our family, and our property if necessary. Now, understand you can't shoot somebody right now for trying to steal your gas. Well, That's not legal. I understand. You can't do that. Okay. Now, in a grid-down situation where there is no rule of law, we may have to take different measures. It might be the wild, wild west all over it again. It might be. <laughs> but, and the older I get, the more cognizant I am that my skills do diminish, my strength does diminish, and my desire to keep you safe does not diminish. Oh. So I have to practice those things. I have to stay abreast of what I need to do. And most likely that would involve some type of physical action. So we have to be up on that physical fitness. Another highly effective habit for preppers would be the networking, the connection that you make with other preppers and local communities to share your knowledge, your resources, and support. And I know that there's different schools of thought on who needs to know what, who needs to know who, and who needs to know why. There are some prepper forums that say, it's it's kind of funny because it says, you should never tell anybody you're a prepper. And they say, well, then why are you in this forum telling everybody you're exactly. a prepper? And then others would say, but I, I want my loved ones to know. I want to be able to take care of, I want to, it, everybody's got their own comfort level with who needs to know what you have in store. Now, I know a lot of family members joke with one another about, well, when it hits, I'm coming to your house, you know, and then there's that uncomfortable discussion of, well, you better bring your stuff when yes, you come or, because or, I'm prepping for my family. Or go ahead and give me a couple of thousand dollars now and I'll have ev everything yeah. ready for you when you get here. I, I think it's a little, it's very naive and kind of offensive, really, for well, a family member to expect to be cared for and they've done nothing. It's like the old Aesop fable, you know, the ant and the grasshopper. Yeah. Well, what they're saying is, I'm going to blow my money and do what I want to now, and then when it hits, I'm going to come mooch off you. Yeah, so you know. You, you better bring something to the table. And that might actually spur on the conversation that needs to take place mm -hmm. now. There are prepper forums online. There are all types of social media groups that deal with prepping, and you can learn a lot of things. We in there. sure have. You can share information. This is how we do this. I'm not telling you exactly what we have or where we are or any of those kinds of things, yeah. but I'm networking. I'm also networking to getting to know people. It's not always about prepping, but it's about resources that I could call on if I needed to. Yeah, sure. Who are the local ham radio operators? What information can we network? Who has what kind of equipment? Since we've moved, I don't know who I could call to get a bulldozer in, in 30 minutes. I you see know. what you mean. Yeah. Uh, I had those resources where we lived previously, but I don't necessarily as much now. But I do have people I can call on for support. And we need to develop that network. 
Another highly effective habit to get into is to diversify your supplies, which means don't rely on just one type of resource. You know, have various types of food, have various types of ways to purify your water, and have some alternative energy sources. You know, we have all of these things, battery backup, generator, solar power, because at at any given time, one or more might fail, Mm -hmm. or one or more may go into short supply or become missing out of your resource, and you've got to be able to have a lot of redundancy to be able to have the things that you need when you need them. And a lot of things, we want our redundancy to have backup. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Another thing that highly effective preppers do is plan. Ah, Now, you've heard us talk about this time and time and time and time and time again. They plan for different scenarios. We need a financial plan. We need an evacuation plan. We need a communication plan. We need contingency plans for when our plans fail. Right, because well, I think about the plans for when I'm not at home and mm-hmm. something happens, when I'm this far away, that far away, when such and such. You know, we're not always in our cozy little dens when the hmm. SHTF happens. And so you've got to have some contingency plans out there. The what if I'm here? What if you're there? That sort of thing to be able to run that scenario. And highly effective preppers practice regular maintenance. How many times do we buy something, throw it in the bag, and forget about it? Mm. How many times do we use something and we don't clean it up like we need to? We need to maintain our tools, our equipment, and our gear. We need to take these things out and check them. We need to update the emergency supplies and equipment on a regular basis Krista and I were talking about the other day. We need to bring our get-home bags into the house, pour it out on the table, go through everything in there, make sure everything is current, and pack it back like we know it needs to be. Highly effective preppers practice that regular maintenance. Another highly effective habit to get into that preppers should do is to have balance in your life. And what I mean is to balance preparedness with your daily life. Don't allow prepping or preparedness to overcome you and take precedence over the other things that you need to give attention. You can incorporate preparedness as part of your balanced lifestyle. But remember, you have your family, your work, your hobbies, your interests, your free time, your commitments, your expectations, and your responsibilities. But you can put preparedness within that context and not be overcome with it. I also want to urge you to not live in a state of chronic fearfulness. Mm -hmm. There's too many scary stories floating out there. Media loves to stir things up and then walk away. They don't really offer a lot of comforting resolve on some of their stories. They just tell you the the ugly of it, and then they just kind of drop it in your lap. And that can be a little much for some people in certain circumstances. And just realize that you've got to have the balance in your life to evaluate what's really your threat assessment in your life. And then don't give yourself over to being fearful about things that are not happening to you right now. Yeah, they say something like 95% of the things that we worry about never come about. It's probably more closer to 99. It might be. <laughs> but another area of balance that we need to have, and we did an episode on this sometime back, 
And that's having balance in our prepping. We need to not be super heavy in one area. There are so many preppers that have 29 firearms of one caliber and 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 no food. food. Yeah. (laughs) Or or they have food, but no water. Mm -hmm. Or they have water, but no food. You know what I'm saying? They're getting out of balance, kind of over attending a particular topic and not being a little bit more diverse. And gear is one of those areas. I mean, we all love the sexy gear. Oh, sure. You you love that and the bug out bags and And the cool knives and the blades and the multi tools and and the all kinds of stuff. It's but not all about gear all the time. No, you can't eat one piece of that gear. You, you don't want to. So you need balance <laughs> in that prepping. And we think that we have done a pretty good job. We think that we are covering every area and we're not over covering any area. And if we're over covering any area, it's Krista's favorite and that's water which you can never really have too much of. I think you're probably right. And finally, the 11th effective habit that a prepper can utilize is to stay calm and level-headed, especially in a stressful situation. You know, it could be that you're the one that your loved ones are sort of looking to, to be in control of the situation, or maybe the children especially are looking to you to be, you know, have your feet on the ground and be in control because you're in control of their lives and they've got to see that you can handle this. And I think deep down, reach deep, you can. You can find the strength to just handle the business that needs to be done. You can break down and be afraid and fearful and cry later. Sometimes you just have to kind of man up. Yeah, I said it. And just do the job that needs to be done calmly, level-headed, stick to the facts, go with what you know, and handle the most important threat assessments that come to your life. And don't worry about all that other stuff. You do you, and you do what you got to do. And you can practice these things. You can practice staying level-headed and calm in the small things, and then the bigger things, and then the bigger things. But we need that calmness in the storm. Now, these habits can help you become a highly effective prepper. And they'll help you to stay prepared, and they'll help you to be able to handle various situations that may arise. And that's our desire, is to help you become prepared for whatever may come. Now, today's cup of coffee comes from our friend, Renee. Renee. Thank Thank you. you. We really appreciate that. That is so nice of you. And if you've received value from this podcast, would you help us by giving back a little, by buying us a cup of coffee? You'll find the link on the front page of the website. And as always, what do I say? Stuff happens. Stay prepared. And we'll see you next time. (laughs) 